Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. If you didn't get a chance to hear that message Sunday, don't go to YouTube. Amen. No, don't. They took it down. Yeah, I love it. Makes me happy. Sad, but happy. Yeah, I don't know if China did it or Russia did it or who did it, but yeah, they took it. We've had them block things, songs and all that, but one of the new guys in our church told me, Pastor, I want to pass this on to some friends, but I can't find it. So I went and started looking and my phone and Carla's phone and all these different things. So it's, it's totally gone. The thing is, the, the, the message has been raptured. Amen. So it's already have, but the podcast is there. So if you know how to go to our website, um, go to sermons, go to podcast, share it. Even just someone today was asking me um, if, you know, they're trying to find it. So it's not there, but you can share it on Podbean. And if you didn't get a chance to listen to it, listen to it. Two big outreaches in the next 72 hours. Amen. How many want to see God save some souls? Amen. So this is what's got us here as a church tomorrow night on the square where it's going to be beautiful weather. And uh, if you've never been to the square and gone out there and, and held a sign or street preached, tomorrow's your opportunity. Amen. Especially when I challenge people who've never been, give you a chance to go out there and see what it's like uh, to get flipped off, see what it's like to get cussed at, see what it's like to have somebody ask you for prayer. You get a little bit of everything. Amen. But that's what we're about. And then, so tomorrow night at 7, and then Saturday, we've got a very important outreach in Farmer's Branch. Okay. Um, Text us, ask. Uh, if you go to Far- VWO Farmers Branch, either Facebook or Instagram, the address is there. How many know we, we live in a technology world today? We can find stuff. So if you don't know the address, ask somebody. But we're going to meet at their hotel at 10 o'clock on Saturday. And uh, we want to really help them hit the streets, help them start seeing some real growth in their church. And so it's a very important outreach. We need everybody to help, especially if you've never been over there to that city. Let's get over there. Let's just adjust our schedules a little bit and get over there and help them out. Amen? Can I get a bigger amen? amen? Well, I'm excited about the word tonight. If you get your Bibles open to Ephesians 5, you're going you're gonna to be excited when this message is over because this is going to be, I want to just give you a couple important things here. The message is going to be called the marriage reception. And uh, this is going to follow up. If you're, I, don't know, I don't remember if it was the 9 or the 11 o'clock service, but I kind of mentioned uh, a little bit of the Jewish tradition of the wedding and how it relates to the rapture. I don't know what service it was in. I don't think I did it in both. And uh, I, it's been a long time since I've preached this, and I definitely haven't preached this particular message I put together this week, but it's going to be very exciting. I want to give you a couple things to focus on right now, like note it, you know, catch these things I'm going to tell you so that everything else makes sense. Number one, this is a great note-taking message right here, okay? This is not just going to bless you. This is going to connect a bunch of dots in your faith. Okay? I promise you. You're going to be like, wow. I didn't know what that meant. Wow. I promise you. The Holy Spirit's going to speak to you. Number one is we got to remember when we're reading this Bible right here, and we don't do it very often, we forget that this book was not written to the United States of America. Okay? Okay? It was not written to any other country. This book, in its original intent, was written to the book of Israel. Sorry, the nation of Israel. To God's chosen people. 
Now, it was extended later. If you know your Bible, we are Gentiles. Can I get an amen if you're a Gentile? Let me see your hand if you're a Gentile in here tonight. Amen. If you're not raising your hands because you don't know what a Gentile is, a Gentile is anybody that's not Jewish. Okay? So the gospel was extended, and if you look carefully at the Bible, you see that Jesus was focused on the, there are many stories I could get into, on his people, and then even when the disciples started to go and preach, they were preaching to the Jews, and then Peter had that vision, then began to preach to the Gentiles. He, God had a, a worldwide plan, but you've got to understand, if you're really going to understand this book, and you're going to understand the parables that Jesus spoke you got to understand that it was written to those people and their traditions. When you get, now this is something I think a lot of people may make a mistake on. Some people would say, well, I don't want to study Jewish. I'm not Jewish. Why would I study Jewish tradition? Or I'm not Jewish. I'm not, gonna, I'm not in a synagogue. I'm, and so we don't, some people don't study it at all. But when you study the history of the Jewish traditions, it begins to, it begins to put the dots together on why we do things today in a Gentile church, as we would consider ourselves. We're not Messianic Jews. We're not in a Jewish synagogue. We are Gentiles saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. But a lot of times we do things and don't even know why, and this message is going to connect a bunch of dots for you. So how many know yesterday was Valentine's Day? And uh, for the glory and the honor of the Lord, my wife and I celebrated our 29th anniversary yesterday. Amen. That's a blessing. A lot of years. Told her we've known each other a lot. We've been married a lot more years than we haven't now. You get to that age where 29 years married and about 18 years of our lives without each other. And uh, God's, God's done great things in our marriage. And I, and I told her, you know what, this would be a great night to, uh, to talk about marriage. And I am going to talk a little bit about marriage. But I want to tie it in with this uh, wedding reception and marriage and, and, and explain what, what it means for us to be the, uh, the bride and Jesus to be the groom, and all these different things. But I was thinking right before uh, service tonight, I wanted to look up and see what the average marriage is in the United States. It's pretty sad. The average marriage lasts 8 to 10 years. It's pretty low, huh? And um, some go, obviously there's a lot of weird stats that kind of mess it up because people get divorced at all kinds of different ages. Um, but also we know today one stat is that out of every two marriages that happen, one ends in divorce, 50%. And so we, we are blessed today to have good marriages in our church, and we know that some of our marriages in this church are people who have been married before. But God has done a grace of God in their lives, and they learn from their past mistakes, and, and God is doing amazing things. But how many know that the goal is to stay married forever, amen, and have good, godly marriages but I want to read Ephesians 5, and for time, I've got to push through a lot of this stuff because there's a lot to get out. I want to just read a few verses here in Ephesians 5, 22. I'm going to read this really fast. Try not to stop. Uh, wives, submit, and, and not, you know, chase rabbits. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. <sighs> they stopped. Okay. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Now, as I'm reading this, this is twofold here, okay? This is twofold. This means he's speaking to us as husbands and wives, and he's speaking to us as the body, bride, and the groom of the church. Say so there's two things going on here, okay? And he is explaining marriage and how marriage works and how the groom and the bridegroom works in the marriage of Jesus and the church. 
Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Now, I am going to stop right here because I always tell people as a man and a husband that we have been given as men the greater responsibility. Okay, women are have given the, been given the greater responsibility in bearing the child and having that pain and having to have menopause and having to have uh, premenstrual syndrome and all the things that physical physically go on in your bodies that we don't want and we don't we're thankful we don't have. But the truth is, God gave the man the the more difficult position because He called us whether we want to or not to lead. Okay, and so. A lot, obviously a lot of marriages that aren't working is because this dynamic between a husband and a wife is not working correctly. And there's this battle between the wife saying, um, the husband saying, submit to me, and the wife saying, be submittable. Right? So I'm just stopping on this verse for just a second, not to take too long here. But this goes in, I want you to realize everything I'm going to say tonight between husbands and wives goes to our relationship with Jesus. Okay? It all ties in. It's all identical. Now, if you're a single person here and you're not married yet, this will be good for when you get married or it'll cause you to not want to get married. One of the two. Amen. That's up to you. That's your choice. It's okay if you don't get married. Paul said it's better if you don't marry. Amen. Not for me, but that was him. So husbands love your wives. And this is the thing. God tells them the woman to submit to the husband. And that's not easy. But the guy, he tells, I want you to give yourself for her. Now, what did Jesus do on the cross? He died. So he asked the woman to submit, and he asked the man to die. Pretty big difference there. And so there's a, there's a, a greater responsibility on the man that we didn't, just like you women didn't ask to give birth to children, we didn't ask to be the head of the home. But that's what God chose us to be. So we're supposed to do what God told us to do. Amen? And so he says, and gave himself for her. Let's keep reading. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present to her. Now, this is where you start to see the tie-in to the church. To himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Leave that there for just a second. Husbands, we can say that how we want, this is the whole do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. This is saying if you, if you love yourself, then you will prove that to your wife in your love for her. Woo, quiet in here. Okay. All right, next verse. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. We are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This, this is very important, is a great mystery. Now, when he says this is a great mystery, he's not talking about the mystery of marriage. He's talking about the mystery of the groom and the bride and the church. Okay, because the Bible tells us when we talk about the rapture, he says that it's a mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. He explains it right there. And then it says, nevertheless, let each of one, each one of you in particular so love his own wife 
as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. How many notice in those 11 verses, most of it was talking about what the husband's supposed to do for the wife? Okay? So I don't have time to get into all that, but I needed to read that because it's very important because this gives us an understanding of what Jesus is trying to teach us with him being the groom and us being the bride. And, and I said Sunday morning, guys, we have to get beyond the fact that we are uh, called the bride. Okay, don't, don't go to hell over a mystery. Um, we're men, but that's what the Bible calls the church. Okay, and he's the groom. But when you begin to see the correlation of what the Jewish traditions were, it's all going to make sense. So what I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to... I'm going to teach you a little bit of how the Jewish tradition would work so that you can see this, and, and light bulbs are going to go on. I'll see the clouds over your head. Light bulbs will go on as you see this. In that time of Jewish tradition, and remember, everything we're, re we're reading here in the Bible, the rapture included, all the parables are Jewish traditions. They don't make sense a lot of times to us. But we can just go, man, that don't make sense, or we can put ourselves in the position of a Jewish tradition so it makes sense. I would advise that. And so here's an example. We know that back in the days of Jewish tradition, for a marriage to happen, they were arranged marriages, but not the sense of an arranged marriage like a lot of countries, like, for example, India, where they grow up and, and they say, okay, this woman's going to marry that man, and they marry within families, not families of each other, but families that they know, and they choose them, and then they don't really have a choice. This is an arranged marriage, but there is choice. How many are understanding that so far? So picture that this is a, a public place, a plaza, a place where people are buying fruits and vegetables, and uh, the ladies are going to buy the food for the house or, or for their home where they live with their parents, and there's single ladies there, and a man who is looking to be married goes to this place, and he's looking around, and he finds a woman who he thinks would be a good wife, and at some point, there's an interaction between them, and they make eye contact, and then there is an understanding uh, between that man and that woman that he wants to talk to her about marriage, but understand this is different than, hey, let me get your digits so we can go to a movie. Okay? That's how we operate in the United States. Okay? Let me, let me get your number. We'll go to a movie. We'll go get to a restaurant. We'll have a date. That's not how they worked. This man was looking for somebody that he was going to spend the rest of his life with. There obviously had to be an, a physical attraction, but he was looking at, at someone that he would uh, be able to uh, marry and that he was trying to find somebody who would be faithful to him. Okay, So he makes contact with this woman, and it's mutual, and he, and, he, and he goes up to her, and he talks to her, and what he says to her is, I would like you to meet my father. Okay, that's the first thing that happens in the conversation. Not, hey, you want to go to a movie next week? Not, do you want to go out to eat? Not, he says, I would like you to meet my father. Now, she has to accept the invitation. Okay, now everything I'm going to tell you in this story right now, I want you to relate it to Jesus, the Father, and us, and our salvation, and us getting saved, and us believing in Jesus, and all these different things. Okay, am I making sense so far? Okay, so... Let me give you some, 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 um, some verses, but here's, here's a, it's kind of like a dowry that's going to happen in a moment, and I've always been jokingly serious about this in the United States. I, I hate our customs. I do. I think our customs are ridiculous, because I think it's ridiculous, even though I have, I have two daughters, so I have a little bit more 
uh, and this is nothing against my one, one daughter's family that's in the church. This is just period. I think it's ridiculous, and I could use other words, that I have to give my daughter to a man and pay for it. So if you have three out of four kids like Pastor Mario that are boys, that's a wonderful thing. Okay? But how many get what I'm saying? Fathers, can I get an amen that have daughters? Can I get an amen, Mike? Yeah, you got several daughters now, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. You want my daughter, and you want me to pay for it. But back, see, back in the day, the man had to pay to get the daughter. So I just think that's so much better. But it doesn't matter. The marriages are over. I'm over it. The money's gone, and I'm happy. Amen. Revelations 3.20, watch this. This is what happens with the man going to the woman and saying, Hey, I want you to come meet my father. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and dine with him and him with me. See the invitation? See the correlation? The man is in the square. He sees the woman. He goes and says, Hey, I want you to come meet my father. Revelation 3 says he's standing at the door and knock. Whoever opens it, I'll come in and dine. There's the correlation. John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you. That you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should remain, and whatever you ask the name of the Father, he will give you. So we didn't choose Jesus. Jesus chose us. Okay, what's the correlation? That woman did not, no matter how much she thinks that man's handsome, there could have been four or five women there in that square, and that man chose her. He, the woman he went to to say, I want you to come meet my father, is the one he chose. So we did not choose God. The Bible says in 1 John, we love Jesus because he first loved us. Okay? Now, here's an example of how this begins to happen. He, she goes to meet his father at their house. And the father's very important in this, even with the man. And when they get there, if you remember this, they, they decide, and I'm going to go over a few things here in just a minute, of what they do to be married that is totally different than how we do things here in the United States and in the world. They begin to talk, and I'm going to get into a few of these things here in a moment. But one thing I want you to think about is, there's proof of this. When you remember that Joseph, when he found out from Mary that she was pregnant, okay, we know that they had not been together sexually, Right? Everybody on the same page with me? We know that for a fact because she was a virgin. And we talk about that story, but if you'll remember, and I don't, I don't need to put it up there tonight. Actually, go ahead. I got it. Matthew 119. Actually, I didn't send that to you. It's okay. I don't, I don't need it up there. I'm just going to read it. If you remember, Joseph hears the news, and the Bible says, I'm just going to go put her away quietly and divorce her. Remember that? Y'all with me? Okay, this is connecting the dots. So they were already married, but had not been together yet. Okay? So they, didn't, they, were, they're, they're, they were not, uh, say the vows, go to honeymoon. You're going to see here in the Jewish tradition that makes so much sense for the rapture and so much sense for us as a church and the bride of Christ that, that there, there's a whole contract that happens, a marital contract, and they become married, but the honeymoon is down the road. Them coming together is down the road. And so that's why we know that he said, I'll just go put her away quietly so, and secretly because he was a just man not to make a public example of her. So they were already legally married under contract between her and, her, and him and the father when he found out that she was with child. 
Okay? Now, he was her husband before they knew each other sexually. That's what I'm trying to show you. Now, Luke 22.20, look at this. This is going to start to connect some dots. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. At the Jewish tradition of a Jewish wedding and a betrothal or an engagement, that father would be sitting in the middle of his son and his future daughter-in-law, and they would have a, a communion, and he would, it would be a part of the ceremony of what they were doing for the future honeymoon and the future marriage and the future uh, coming together of, the two, of those two people. Okay, So when we do communion, and we see that Jesus says these words, this cup is the new covenant of my blood, which I shed for you. He, this is a correlation to what goes on at that table when the woman meets the, the father. Now, in that, there's obviously a lot that goes on in that conversation. They're sitting there and they're talking, but now all of a sudden the father says, okay, my son has, has asked you to marry him. Do you want to? Yes, I want to. I accept. And then this, is, this stuff begins to happen. Okay, so they, they, they do this um, uh, co- communion, and they drink wa- fruit of the vine at that time, and they begin to uh, say this is, this is preparation, this is part of the contract, this is part of, of uh, uh, what, what you saying that you'll marry my son, and then I'm going to be your father, and this is still pre-marriage, pre, not pre-marriage, pre-consummation, pre-honeymoon. Okay, how many are with me so far? At that same table, there, this is already planned. This is why it's called prearranged, not the person. They have to accept. Now, after they take communion, the, 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 bride, the groom gives gifts to the bride. Now, that would also depend on how much money they had and how, how, if they were well off or little off, and that would d- depend on the kind of gifts. But listen to this. Jesus gives us, the church, gifts of the Holy Spirit. Not to, not to take time and read it tonight, but in 1 Corinthians 12, he gives us nine gifts. Remember, he is the groom, and we are the bride, and he gives us gifts. Now, this is all making sense because all this is happening right now, church, and we are married to Jesus as the bride of Christ, but we have not yet gone to to the place of, of paradise yet. We have not gone to the place where he's gone to prepare for us yet. This is life going on here, just as in, with this bride. She's doing all this stuff, but she knows, she knows what you're going to know in a minute, that he's going to go away for a while. Is this making any sense? Hopefully you know your Bibles enough to understand what I'm saying. This is a little bit hard to explain, but I hope I'm doing a good job. But it, it, it'll, it'll all connect in a moment here. But So here we are as the church. We have had Jesus knock on the door of our heart, and I'm trying to kind of explain as I'm going along. We said, yes, come in. And then the Father now is involved, God the Father. And now we're sitting at the table. Now we've accepted Christ, and we've taken communion as one of the ordinances of the church. And now he's given us gifts of the Holy Spirit, just like a, the, the groom would give gifts to the bride. This is all happening at the, at the wedding, okay? And then, watch this, and by the way, the nine gifts, wisdom, knowledge, discernment, prophecy, healings, miracles, faith, tongues, interpretation of tongues, things, things that happen in our lives, in the church, gifts that he's given us. Now, here's the next step. 
Here's the next step. She has received his invitation. She has met the Father. They have taken communion. The, The groom has given her gifts. And now the next step Sounds like our church here. Next step. The next step in, 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 in Hebrew is called the mikvah. That's, that's where she goes and gets cleansed. The, the, the bride goes into the water and cleanses herself. What do we do as Christians once we have accepted the invitation, once we have met the Father, once we have given our lives to the Lord, what's another ordinance of the church? We get baptized in water. To cleanse ourselves. Are y'all seeing the dots connect here? It's amazing. Romans chapter 6. Look what this says. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace would abound? Certainly not. How shall he who died. Now I'm going to stop here for a second. And I want you to just get something with me here. As we have accepted the invitation of Jesus. And he has baptized us in water. He's given us the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We have had communion. Now our job as believers, as the bride of Christ, is to live a life worthy of that sacrifice. Okay? This man is expecting this woman that as he's giving gifts to her, and, and listen, it goes both ways in this situation with us as, as us in, in Christ and the bride and the groom. Because the groom knows what he's going to do, and the groom knows he's going to come back, but the bride also knows, I don't know how long it's going to take for my groom to come back. In this Jewish tradition, let me just throw this out there for a while, it was usually at least a year before he would come back. At least. And so this woman is trusting and believing by faith that she's going to make these vows and marry this man and give herself to this man and trust that he's going to come back for her. Are you all seeing the faith there? We give our lives to Jesus and we trust and have faith that he's going to come back for us. It's the same thing. So how shall we, who died to sin, this woman, as she betroths herself or engages herself to this groom, she says, I will be pure. I will not be with another man. I will, under, I will hold these vows, and until you come back, I will keep myself pure. Y'all see in the correlation? So how shall he who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism unto death. That just as Christ, watch this, was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we shall also walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his what? Amen, his resurrection. This is a symbol, church, that she has separated herself to her groom that she belongs to. Another verse that you would think of is 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away, and behold, all things have become 
knew. Picture this woman that was in the square that before she met this man, she could go where she wanted and do what she wanted and think the way she wanted to think. But now this man has got her attention. She has gone and met the father. She has made a contract. She has made a decision. And now her life is changed. She is no longer that single woman anymore. She belongs to that man. 100%. And even though that man is gone, she still lives as if he's there. I see light bulbs going off. Another one is 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I don't have this in the thing. Verse 20. It says, we have been bought with a price. So, so this man purchases this woman with his entire life because, again, church, think about this. He... Is go, he, he is literally dying to himself. This goes back to Ephesians 6. And he is trusting that this woman is going to live a life pleasing to him while he's away fixing a very nice place for them to live. I mean, that's, that's also trust. And so when he goes away, he's, he's, going, to do, he's going to build something hoping that when he comes back, he's coming, watch this, he's coming back to a bride who has kept herself. Who has done what she said she would do when she took communion. When she went into the mitzvah and did, did the, the washing of her body and cleansed herself. She understands now, I'm no longer myself, I no longer belong to my dad, I belong to him. We no longer belong to this world. We no longer belong to our desires. We no longer belong to what we want. We have been bought with a price with the blood of Jesus. I am no longer my own. I am not my own anymore. Are you seeing that? So you've got the marriage contract or covenant. You've got the purchase agreement. What What did Jesus buy us with? With his blood. That communion is that decision at the table that when we take communion, we do it for two reasons. If you remember, one is to remember what he did on the cross as he shed his blood. And what is the other part of communion? To announce his return. We've got the giving of gifts. And then, watch this. This is the most powerful part. Some of you are going to go, oh, okay, I'm catching this at least. Then there's a final agreement. Okay, one more time. He has found her. Jesus finds us. He has has invited her. I just made up a word right there. That was a Texas word too. I know invited is not a word. He has given her the invitation. Amen. Although you can get away with anything in Texas. He's given her the invitation. She has what? Accepted the invitation. Now just let me throw this in here real quick. This This is a very good understanding of how our walk with God works. While he's gone, what can, that, what can that woman do? Anything she wants. But can she do things that are going to cause her to break her contract with that man? Yes, she can. Because he's expecting her to be pure. He's expecting her to be without spot or wrinkle. And so here we are today as the church, Jesus is gone, we're waiting for him to come back for us, and we can, we can get 
uh, busy or we can get caught up in the world or we can be tempted to do other things. And he's trusting that we're not doing those things, but we're keeping ourselves pure and clean. Okay, so they have one final greeting. They've done the communion. They've done the gifts. They've done the purchase agreement. And the last one is this, John 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You've accepted my invitation. You believe in me. I'm just putting these two things together. Next verse. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And watch what he says. I go to prepare a place for you. This is what that man tells that woman at the table with her father. I'm going away to prepare a place for us to spend our lives together. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and you know the way. Now look at Revelation 19. I'm going to finish up real quick and push through this. I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and the sound of many waters, and the sound of mighty thunderings, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come. That's why I named this the marriage reception. And his wife has made herself ready. How many tonight are making yourself ready on a daily basis for Jesus to come back for his church? And to her, the church, it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And he said to me, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's why I call this the marriage reception. That's just an easier thing for us to understand. And he said, these are the true sayings of God. That's the event where the celebration happens of the marriage. Okay? But to finish here, when he went away like he did there in John 14, I told you he'd go away a lot of times for at least a year. And then the Bible tells us, and this goes back to Sunday. This is going to connect all the dots. We don't know when he's coming back because he doesn't come back to get his bride until the Father says the house is ready. Okay, we, we see that in Matthew 24, 36. It says, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. That's why today we know the season, we know the times, we can, we can know that we're close, but we don't know the exact day or hour because we, it's not going to happen until God the Father says, go get your bride. That's where we are right now today. That's where every Christian lives between the, the, the covenant relationship with Jesus and accepting of the invitation to be saved and his return. And that's why you see so much of the Bible saying, I'm, I come quickly, I come quickly, I come quickly. He who, who's watching, keep looking, keep paying attention, stay awake, don't, don't fall asleep, don't get caught up in this world, don't adult yourself with this world, don't love this world because I'm coming back for a church that's looking for me. A church that's waiting for me. Amen? And so I'm not going to read it tonight, but for homework, read, read Matthew 25. We know the parable of the ten virgins. Five were ready, five were not. That's the picture of the church today, church. That's the picture. 
Some, some Christians are watching, some Christians are waiting, some Christians are filling their oil up, and they're making sure they're staying awake, and other Christians are falling asleep, they're getting caught up with this world, and when the Bible says that when that rapture happens, five of those, and it's not exactly 50%, it's an example, five of those virgins aren't going to have any oil. They're going to be in love with this world. They're going to, the Bible, we said this Sunday, he's going to come like a thief in the night. He's going to catch them off guard. Not because he wants to catch them off guard, but because they haven't stayed watching. So the groom, watch this. So we wait like the ten virgins keeping oil in our lamps. But here's an interesting thing, too, with this marriage. Most of the time, the groom would come at midnight. That would be an unexpected hour. He wouldn't come during the day. For us, church, Day, daytime and nighttime, a lot of times, has to do with, with uh, darkness and light. We're, we, we need to stay in the light. And, and we need to make sure that we're, 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 like I always tell you, we're living for the Lord on Thursday, not just Sunday. We're living for the Lord on Tuesday morning, not just Wednesday night. So we're staying ready, and we're like those ten virgins, and we're keeping oil in our lamps because he's going to come at a moment when we are not ready, but we have to stay ready. We have to stay in communion. We have to stay washing ourselves. We have to stay cleansed, and we have to stay looking because that groom's going to come. He's going to bring some people with him. He's going to start to blow a trumpet, and he's going to say, I'm coming. And at that moment, he will come quickly. He will come unexpectedly. He will grab his bride, and he will take her away. And watch this. They will spend seven days consummating their marriage. Seven days. Does that sound like a familiar number? That's why we believe in in the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. Because Jesus is going to come and take us away. When, when the world least expects us, and we're going to be in that marriage supper of the Lamb and the banquet ceremony for seven years while hell is breaking loose on this earth, and then we're going to come back down to the earth, and we're going we're gonna to go meet all of our friends like you would after, after the uh, honeymoon. You come back, and you get together with your family and friends, and now we're, we're a couple, and everybody knows us, and we're married, and then we do life, and that millennial reign will be life. So the groom comes at midnight when we least expect. Let's finish here, Luke 12, and the musicians can begin to come. Luke chapter 12. This is really good, really clear, really kind of puts all the last dots together. Verse 35, this is called in my Bible, the faithful servant and the evil servant. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master. When he will return from the wedding. That when he comes and knocks, this is important, they may open to him immediately. This, we should be living a life that when Jesus comes and shows up on our door, we don't have to say, I'll be there in a few minutes. Or let him in and say, hey, come on in, have a seat right here on the couch, but don't go into the kitchen. Or don't go into the bathroom. The house is dirty, right? He wants us to keep our house clean all the time. That's the kind of attitude we have to have. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, watch this, will find what? Watching. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find 
watching, I said on Sunday, looking for the blessed hope. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself, this is so cool, and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. Can you believe that Jesus Christ is going to serve us? We're going to be having some food and he's going to serve us. Isn't that amazing? That's the kind of Savior that we have. And then it says, if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so. You know, we're in the third watch right now, by the way. That We're living in the days of the third watch. Time has just been going on and on, and we're that third watch. And it says, know this, or it says, blessed are those servants, but know this, that if the master of the house had known the hour the thief would come, he would have not he, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Amen. I hope tonight that as I've gone through this, it's connected some dots for you. Why we get baptized. Why we do communion. What, what it is to accept the invitation of salvation from Jesus. The fact that now I, I am someone who's been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm not just someone who checks a box, box off and comes to church. I owe my life to Jesus. And I'm living my life in such a way that when he comes back, and I don't know when it will be, and remember I said on Sunday, it might not be the rapture, it might be your last breath. It might be a heart attack, it might be an accident. How many know we're all going to die if the rapture doesn't happen? we got to be ready. That's why we know every day that we wake up, today could be the day. Jesus couldn't come back. Today could be the day that I meet Jesus face to face, that I, my life ends. And church, we don't have to live in fear. We just have to live righteous and holy. And when you stop and think about what Jesus has done for us, it should make us want to live that kind of life. When you really stop and think and you get beyond your religious understanding of things and you realize what Jesus did on that cross that he came down from heaven to live on this earth, to die for us so that we could be his bride, so we could be the church that he died for, so that we could submit our lives to him. He came and died for us. He did the hard part. How many believe he did the hard part? All we got to do is believe and receive and live a life worthy of that death. And I don't know about you, but that's, that's what I want to do because I want to be at that wedding reception. I was at the wedding, but I want to be at the wedding reception. Y'all following that? All of us in here that have given our lives to Jesus Christ, we're at the wedding. We made an agreement. Jesus knocked. We said yes. We've been baptized. We've done communion. Now the next step, the last step, is that he's coming back for his church. And just like he did everything else, he will come. If you believe he died, if you believe he rose from the dead, why wouldn't you believe he's going to come like he said he would? It's the next event. And I thank God for the wedding reception. It's going to be the most amazing banquet we've ever even imagined. Amen? So comfort each other with these words tonight. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that... I've done justice to your word and done justice to explaining 
the Jewish tradition of marriage, Father, so that we can understand that this Bible was written, Lord God, to Jewish people. And Lord, these things make so much more sense. We can just take it by blind faith. There's nothing wrong with blind faith. But Lord, when we look at the traditions out of Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, and we see the way that things were done in the Jewish customs, it makes sense, God, why Jesus spoke in parables. It makes sense, God, why he spoke in certain ways. And he said, he who has an ear, let him hear. Tonight, I pray that every person here has an ear. Every person here is hearing your word tonight. And Lord, the understanding of why we do water baptism and why there's communion and why there's a marriage covenant and why we surrender our lives to you makes more sense tonight, Lord. Just like when we get around the time of our anniversary Lord, we, don't, we think about each other every day as a married couple, but Lord, that anniversary is special. It's a day we celebrate another year of being together, another year of battles, another year of winning the battle together, another year of parenting and grandparenting and living life. Lord, it's the same way when we realize that you're coming back soon. And today, Lord, we want to commemorate our, and rededicate our, our, our lives to you and tell you how special you are to us and that you mean everything to us and that you are our salvation tonight. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed all across this place, maybe you've never accepted the knock on the door. Jesus has been knocking on the door of your heart for a long time and you've never said, come in. I want to accept you as my Lord and Savior. Tonight is your night to do that. If you're here and you've never done that, just quickly lift up your hand all across this congregation and say, pray with me, Pastor, tonight. I want to accept the invitation. Remember Revelation 3, I stand at the door and knock. That woman gets invited by that man, and the only way she can ever get to the marriage is by accepting the invitation to go to the Father. The Bible says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No one comes to the Father Except through me. How many have never done that? We're going to pray with those online in just a moment. Maybe you're here and you've done it. You've said it. You accepted the invitation. You have taken communion. You've been baptized in water. But since then, you have not been watching and waiting and keeping yourself clean for that bride, for that groom that's coming for you. And tonight you want to regenerate that wash. You want to rewash that body. You want to regenerate your mind. You want to retransform your mind and say, Lord, I've allowed myself to slip up. I've allowed myself to think a certain way again. I've lost my first love. How many could say that's me tonight, Pastor? Pray for me. I want to rededicate my life. Amen. I see your hand. Praise the Lord. Let's stand all across this place tonight. Oh, Lord, it's a slippery slope when we, when we forget what you've done for us. Help us to remember. Help us to stay in love, Father. Help us not to be caught up and busy in this world. Lord, help us tonight to realize your plan is perfect. Your purpose is perfect, Father. Let's just begin to come find a place at this altar this morning. We're going to pray in just a moment with those that are watching online. But let's just spend a few minutes in the presence of the Lord tonight. Just like that, that bride that's waiting, she might say, man, he's been gone for a long time. But every day when she wakes up, she's got to rededicate herself. She's got to get dressed again. She's got to take that bath. She's got to keep herself pure. 
Every day, church, we keep ourselves pure from this world, undefiled, living righteous and holy lives, lives that are worthy of that precious blood that Jesus shed on the cross. Tonight, if you need to rededicate your life, if you need to say, Lord, I'm sorry for some sins, some things I've been doing, I've allowed my garments to be spotted and wrinkled. We know that his sin, his blood covers us from all unrighteousness. But the Bible also says we must confess our sins. And if we do, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. All across this place, with heads bowed and eyes closed, we're going to pray with those here or those that are listening online on the podcast or watching live tonight that you may be being tugged on by the Holy Spirit right now. That door, you're hearing the knock right now from Jesus. And He is saying, let me come in. My burden is easy. My yoke is light. I'm, I'm a good Father. I'm a good Savior. I'll forgive you of all your sins. Just say this with me tonight from your heart. Lord Jesus, I come before you and I accept the invitation. You came down from heaven to die on the cross for my sins, to be my groom so that I could be that bride that you came to die for. I, ex I accept and receive that salvation. And Lord, I declare tonight that you are my Lord and my Master and my Savior. I've, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Wash me clean with your precious blood. Make me a new creation from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com. Thanks again for listening.